by the governor to facilitate teleconferencing to reduce the risk of COVID-19 transmission at public meetings. Ordinarily, the Brown Act sets strict rules for teleconferencing. The governor recently signed a new amendment to the Brown Act to allow continued use of teleconferencing for public meetings during a state of emergency, provided that commissions such as ours make certain findings. To comply with this legal requirement, items five and six on this morning agenda is the request to consider whether continued use of teleconferencing will minimize health risks and whether our commission is able to use teleconferencing in a matter that allows public participation and transparency. As noted on the agenda, members of the public may observe this teleconference meeting via sfgovtv.org and sfgovtv channel 78, and they may offer public comment by calling the published public comment phone number. I'd like to welcome the members of the public and staff who are watching us live on sfgovtv and also thank them uh, for their help in making sure this meeting occurs. <laughs> the commission asks and thanks you for your patience during these unprecedented times. We respectfully ask the public to have patience and expect delays and gaps during the meeting, particularly during public comment. To eliminate background in interference, all panelists and presenters that are presenting via WebEx are asked to mute themselves when not speaking or waiting to present. The San Francisco HSA DOS Commission acknowledges that we are on unceded ancestral homeland of the Ramatush Ohlone, who are the original inhabitants of the San Francisco Peninsula. As the indigenous stewards of this land, in accordance with their traditions, the Ramatush Ohlone have never ceded, lost, nor forgotten their responsibilities as caretakers of this place, as well as for all peoples who reside in their traditional territory. As guests, we recognize that we benefit from living and working on their traditional homeland. We wish to pay our respects by acknowledging the ancestors, elders, and relatives of the Ramatush Ohlone community and by affirming their sovereign rights as First Peoples. Um, a couple things before we take the roll. I think we've been joined by our new commissioner. If not, she's valiantly trying to, to join us, but I wanted to make note of the fact that we now have a full commission and welcome Linda Parker Pennington to our commission and uh, thank her for bringing her experience and skills to the commission. And then also, um, I wanted to acknowledge the fact that we had to miss our last meeting uh, due to not pandemic, but atmospheric rivers. So, so we are undaunted, and we have uh, deftly combined both January and February together along with our budget presentation today. So I'm just going to say let's pace ourselves. Let's uh, make sure we ask any questions we have, but uh, maintain as much brevity as we can so that we can pace ourselves and, and uh, pay as much attention to that last item as we do the first. So I, th I appreciate that and as we get through this, this meeting. So with all of that, Secretary, can we please take the roll? Thank you, President Knutson. Commissioners, please respond with present when I call your name. President Martha Knutson? Here. Vice President, President Janet Spears? Present. Commissioner Sasha Bittner? Present. Commissioner Wanda Zhang? Present. Commissioner Linda Pennington? Uh, Commissioner is here. She's just trying to get on. Commissioner Nelson Lund? Present. And Commissioner Barbara Sklar, who's also here trying to call in, so but she is here. And DOS Executive Director Kelly Dearman? Here. President Knutson, we have a quorum. Right. Thank you so much. All right, Commissioners, the next item, item three is communications. We'd like to provide further instructions for the public comment process. 
Public comment will be available on each item on this agenda and during general public comment. Both channels 78 and sfgovtv.org are streaming the number across the screen. Each speaker will be allowed three minutes to speak. Comments or opportunities to speak during public comment period are available via phone call. During each public comment period, viewers and callers will be instructed to call 1-415-655-0001, access code 2498-563-7042-POUND, and then POUND again, and use webinar password 5646 uh, yep. When connected, you will hear the meeting discussions, but you will be muted and in listening mode only. When your item of interest comes up, dial star 3 to be added to the speaker line. Best practices are to call from a quiet location, speak clearly and slowly, and turn down your television or radio. You will have three minutes to speak. You will be informed by the moderator when you have 30 seconds left. After 30 seconds, you will be muted and placed back to listening mode. Alternatively, Public comment can be submitted by email to ravi.derbige at sfgov.org. If you submit public comment via email, it will be forwarded to the commission and will be included as part of the official docket. Are any other communications from the Are there any other communications from DOS commission members? No. Okay, we can move on. Great, thank you. Commissioners, your next agenda item is agenda item four, approving the minutes of the Wednesday, December 7th, 2022 DOS Commission meeting. Are there any comments or questions from the commission regarding the Wednesday, December 7th, 2022 DOS Commission meetings? All right, then um, do we have anyone from the public who wishes to comment on, the, on this item? Do we have anyone from the public who wishes to comment? Okay, moderator, please open the phone line for public comment. We will allow some time for callers to submit their request. Moderator, do we have any callers in the queue? Uh, there are no callers. Great, then hearing no further requests to speak on this item, is there a motion to approve the Wednesday, December 7th, 2022 DOS Commission meeting minutes? So moved. From Vice President Spears, a second? A second. Commissioner Lum. Um, can we have a roll call on that, please? Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, yep. we have a roll call. <laughs> President Martha Knudsen, how do you vote? Yes. Vice President Janet Spears, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Sasha Bittner, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Wanda Zhang, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Nelson Lum, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Barbara Sklar, how do you vote? Are you on there as yet? Not yet. And Commissioner Linda Pennington, are you on here yet? I don't see her as yet. Uh, we have a unanimous vote. Great. Thank you. Um, commissioners, your next item is agenda item five, resolution to hold in-person meeting with some members possibly appearing ro remotely. Are there any comments or questions from the commission regarding this resolution? And I would just note that today, Commissioners Bittner, Jung are appearing remotely. Sklar and Pennington are establishing connectivity. So there will be doing a lot of this meeting by me looking at WebEx and making sure we incorporate their comments. Um, any comments or questions regarding this resolution? Okay, do we have anyone from the public who wishes to comment? Do we have anyone from the public who wishes to comment? Moderator, please open the phone line for public comment. We'll allow some time for callers to submit their request. 
Moderator, do we have any callers in the queue? And there are no, no callers. Oh, great. Then hearing no further requests to speak on this item, is there a motion to approve agenda item five? I move. From Commissioner Bittner and a second. Second. From Vice President Spears. Uh, Mr. Secretary, can you please take a roll call vote to approve the resolution to hold in-person meeting with some members possibly appearing remotely? President Martha Knutson, how do you vote? Yes. Vice President Janet Spears, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Sasha Bittner, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Wanda Zhang, how do you vote? Yes. And Commissioner Lum, how do you vote? Yes. Okay, thank you. We have a unanimous vote. Okay, thank you. Commissioners, your next item is agenda item six. It's the authorization to allow third-party presenters who are not city employees to attend commission meetings virtually, pending any California government code change or mayoral supplement to the emergency proclamation. Are there any comments or questions from the commission regarding this resolution? Hearing none, do we have anyone from the public who wishes to comment on this item? Is there anyone in the public that wishes to comment? Moderator, please open the phone line for public comment. We will allow some time for callers to submit their request. Moderator, do we have any callers in the queue? No callers? Thank you. All right, then, hearing no further requests to speak on this item, is there a motion to approve agenda item six, which is the authorization to allow third-party presenters who are not city employees to attend commission meetings virtually pending any California government code change or mayoral supplement to the emergency proclamation? Uh, move. Second. Uh, from Commissioner Bittner and a second from Vice President Spears. Uh, can you please call the roll? President Martha Knutson, how do you vote? Yes. Vice President Janet Spears, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Sasha Bittner, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Wanda Zhang, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Nelson Lum, how do you vote? Yes. Thank you. We have a unanimous vote. Great. Thank you. Um, Commissioner, item seven is the executive director's report presented by our DOS executive director, Kelly Dearman, and welcome, Director Dearman. Thank you so much. Uh, first, I want to wish everyone a happy Lunar New Year. Uh, I do want to recognize that this has been a traumatic time for all of us in California but especially for the friends and families for those killed in Monterey Park and Half Moon Bay. The weekend started with the celebration of the AAPI Lunar New Year and with a group of older adults celebrating through dance and ended in senseless violence. No one should ever have to feel unsafe when they go about their lives. DOS condemns the violence against these and all communities. Our hearts are with the loved ones of those whose lives were lost, those who are injured, and those who have been affected by these senseless acts of violence. On a state level, um, the second annual progress report on California's master plan for aging was published in late January. The report highlights achievements from 2022 and new initiatives for 2023. So progress was made on all 132 initiatives that were part of the first two years of the Master Plan on Aging implementation. In terms of some of the things that they're looking towards um, for 2023, they include addressing housing needs by promoting access to models that integrate housing with services, as well as streamlining funding for new housing options, improving accessible transportation options, improving the supports av available to unpaid family and friend caregivers, as well as offering training and career paths for paid caregivers to reduce turnover, bridging the digital divide for older adults and people with disabilities, and ending older adult homelessness and improving income and food security. 
in terms of what we're doing on the local level. Um, the age and disability friendly uh, task force implementation work group has finalized its action plan and has started to um, has started the implementation which will span the next three years. In terms of the Human Services Agency cultural celebrations, um, this week HSA is celebrating the Lunar New Year at three different in-person events that are happening at three different sites. Yesterday was a celebration at 1650 Mission Street, which is the DOS site. For Black History Month celebration, February, as you all know, is Black History Month, and we will be hosting an in-person celebration on Thursday, February 16th and the event will be held in the courtyard of 170 Otis Street. So the California Department of Aging is doing a monitoring visit, which is scheduled for uh, March 13th through 17th. This is their big visit, which happens every few years. They review many, many documents, both prior to the visit and while they are here, and schedule time with program staff, fiscal operations, contracts, budget, as well as Commissioner Knudsen, thank you very much. So I just want to give a shout out to Mike Zog, who has served as the point person between us and CDA and coordinated all of our documents. Thank you, Mike. And just as a note of interest, San Francisco Department of Elections will be coming to the DOS Hub at Two Golf once a month starting February 7th, and they'll have a table set up in the lobby from 10 to 2 to provide information and resources to promote voter registration. I think that's pretty cool. So that's all I have for now, unless there are questions. Are there any questions from commissioners? I don't see any online. All right, next item. We're ready for the... Commissioners, item eight is the DOS employee recognition for January 2023. DOS Executive Director Kelly Dearman President Knutson of the DOS Commission will honor Joel Scott, who's a DOS human service technician. Okay, yay. So, um, you want to, yep. Okay. I'll come down. Oh, you can say it. it's up to you. I'll Robbie, stay. can you hear me? This is Commissioner Sklar. Commissioner Sklar, welcome to the meeting. Yes, we can hear you. Okay, okay thank you. And if, I apologize to all of you. I had the wrong numbers. That's all right. Thank you. Welcome, Commissioner Sklar. We're about to go into uh, employee recognition. So, Okay. That's great. I'm glad I made it. I'm glad I made it. Thank great. you. Great. Joel, I'm coming down there in a second. Okay. okay. Great. All right. <laughs> um, Joel Scott is, is an invaluable asset to the Adult Protective Services team. As a human service technician, Joel partners with the protective service workers at APS to do a variety of tasks to assist all the clients we serve. He also supports the APS social working team on planning and implementing items on their service plan. APS protective service workers always know clients are in excellent care with Joel. He has a natural ability to create relationships and build trust with the most challenging of clients. His kindness and gentle way of interacting with everyone he works with puts even the most difficult clients at ease. What may begin as a simple referral, such as transporting a client to a medical appointment, can often lead to unforeseen challenges. Joel is a problem solver and will adapt to the needs of any client at any given moment. He is able to think outside of the box. He works independently, has an impeccable work standard, and is always putting the best interest of the clients first. For example, a blind client could not find his house keys and did not want to leave his room to go to a medical appointment. 
Joel immediately reached out to this client's neighbors in the building and was then able to locate the property manager who immediately agreed to make a new set of keys. Joel also discovered this client's meal delivery had stopped and he then made sure the client had something to eat <clears throat> Excuse me, before he left him. This is only one of many examples that illustrate Joel's impeccable work ethic and professionalism. It is likely that every APS protective service worker can share an instance when Joel went above and beyond to assist a client. We are so fortunate to have Joel with the APS team, and we want all to know just how awesome he is. Oh, I need to say something? Okay. <laughs> um, well, I just want to say thank you to everybody. Um, thank you to my colleagues, uh, all of our uh, PSWs um, who do so much hard work. I'm very happy to be on the team. And special shout out to uh, ReCares. They do um, uh, medical equipment. They give it away for free, and they've given us a lot of equipment and saved the city a lot of money over the years and helped a lot of our clients. So I want to shout out to them. You guys want to come and take a picture? Okay, Commissioners, item eight is the DAS employee recognition for this month, February 2023. DAS Executive Director Kelly Dearman, President Knudsen, and, DAS, and the DAS Commission will honor both Minnie Zhen and Simon Tan, who are both clerks at the DAS Clinical and Quality Improvement CQI Unit. So, um, Min Yi Zian, am I saying that right? Okay, thank you. And Simon Tan initially joined the Clinical and Quality Improvement Unit prior to the COVID-19 shelter-in-place mandates. Min Yi and Simon have shown exemplary commitment to the DOS core values of compassion, inclusion, innovation, accountability, and equity. Over the course of the past two years, Min Yi and Simon have worked towards promoting the health and safety of our clients and employees. They've helped in organizing public hearings, N95 respirator fit testing sites, distri distribution of PPE, and have also assisted in offering mobile influenza vaccination clinics for homebound IHSS recipients, caregivers, and family members. Min Yi and Simon continue to take an active role in the success of CQI initiatives, including the distribution of life-saving Narcan to HSA and DOS frontline workers and the orientation of nurse interns from the University of California, San Francisco and San Francisco State University Schools of Nursing. Great, it can be so great. In innovation and compassion often manifest themselves in the details of new programs such as the Community Options and Resource Engagement Program, CORE, 
Minyi and Simon jumped into the opportunity of providing much needed clerical support in getting CORE off the ground in support of clients who are residing in Laguna Honda Hospital and who are ready to transition to independent and supportive living in the community. Their exceptional communication styles promoting accountability, equity, and inclusion, both internally and externally, were indicative of Minyi and Simon's effective teamwork. They demonstrated advocacy by soliciting inputs and feedback from consumers and DOS employees when resolving complaints and grievances. It is with much pride that we honor Min Yi Zian and Simon Tan's caring, humility, compassion, hard work, and resiliency as DOS's February 2023 Employees of the Month. Just want to say thank you and thank you to everyone who worked with us and support us along the way. Thank you. Uh, I want to say thank you too, and it's an honor. Thank you. Yeah. Commissioners, item 10 is the DOS Advisory Council report presented by the Advisory Council President, Diane Lawrence, who will be speaking via WebEx. Really? Oh, she's right Ravi. here. I saw oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. I knew I, sh I knew I should have come up and said hello. <laughs> I thought I'd come in person and get seasoned for the, <laughs> the, the, next, the, the future. <laughs> Uh, good morning, Commissioners, Executive Director Dearman, and Happy New Year. Um, this advisory council report, as you uh, received, um, focuses on our January 23rd meeting since we didn't have a December meeting. So I'm going to go through this as quickly as I can. Uh, there was one correction Melissa McGee also presented to us okay. uh, during 2022, and I didn't want to overlook that, and she pre presented on the Dignity Fund analysis. Deputy Director um, of DOS, uh, Jill Nielsen spoke to us on guardianship and the care courts, and I've pretty much summarized much of what she said, and it was quite a lively discussion, and um, Deputy Director Nielsen has promised to come back to talk more about guardianship um, and APS as we move forward, and we'll work with this on later this year on getting a speaker um, to speak to us as we move forward with the implementation of care courts. Uh, we've begun the 2023 area plan uh, update and approval process. Um, and so we, this will be the last year of this four-year plan. So we'll start all over again with a brand new one next year. Um, we, the council asked that we ca capture LGBTQ data and we added that to our census um, information, and I think most members completed their um, requirement, the, the profiles uh, during the meeting. Um, we'll have an update. We also agreed to let us um, to not be tr uh, anonymous, so that uh, Adithi could make sure that we had everybody there. Um, we also 
uh, spoke about the California Senior Legislature openings. We have two, um, but we do have one potential candidate who at the last time I spoke with her is interested, so we'll make sure we get all those dates. We did our election of officers, and um, the uh, nominating committee uh, recommendations. So the new officers, I remain as president. Uh, Margaret Graff is first vice president. Tia Small um, is second vice president, and Kay Perrick is the secretary, and Kay also heads up our membership committee. Um, and then we also filled our Dignity Fund Oversight and Advisory Council uh, vacancy. Dr. Alan Cooper um, volunteered, and it was a unanimous vote to approve his um, filling uh, Dr. Juliet Rothman's um, vacancy. Uh, there were no site visits in January, but we have two in the hopper for next month, and we're going to really focus on site visits in, in February. Uh, Mike, Mike Zog gave us an update on the CDA visit that Executive Director um, Dearman just mentioned, and we begun working with him on our documents. And then we just had quick uh, updates from two of our members in the local areas. Uh, District 4, um, they... Um, Margaret Graff, um, who's the director, uh, founder and director of Senior Power, coupled with the Outer Sunset Farmers Market and the Sunset Chinese Cultural District to have a Lunar New Year celebration that was scheduled for Sunday, and I went. It was wonderful. And Margaret, along with Self-Help for the Elderly, um, the director of the Chinese uh, Sunset at Sunset Chinese Cultural District and the Outer Sunset Farmers Market were all recognized by state and local officials for their work. And then um, Member Chris Dillon gave us an update on Laguna Honda. She continues to um, work on that. Our next meeting is on the 15th, and we'll continue on site visits and the area plan on aging. Any questions or comments from commissioners? Hearing none, I just want to say thank you for uh, offering to be the chair again. Appreciate that very much. Thank you. Okay, commissioners, item 11 is the joint legislative report presented by Advisory Council President Diane Lawrence. Uh, the um, joint ledge, we had our first meeting of 2023, so this is a brand new legislative session, so it's all those bills we tracked last year are out the window, and we'll start with a new one. We did have a guest, a guest attend this meeting, which is unusual for us, uh, but it was, was very insightful. So Luke uh, Barnesmore from Home Match, who's also a member of the Marin uh, County's Commission on Aging, which would be, the, would be comparable to all of you, um, and he serves on their legislative committee, so he wanted to see what we did. So that added some uh, richness. We reviewed the whole process of sending letters of support, so we think we have that down for the coming year. We know when the um, committee in the city meets and, and what the timetables are, so that should help us. There have been a few bills that have been introduced. Most of them came from the California Welfare Directors Association, and they include um, focus on in, some uh, in-home supportive services, assessment modification, appropriation updates, uh, APS, gaining access to financial records. Those currently aren't uh, accessible in a possible uh, APS case, so that's one of them. And then increases in case management uh, funding and all. Um, 
there's one bill with a name and uh, with a number, and that's changes to rules on tenancy to help with senior housing. Um, and that will be added uh, to our list as we move forward. So February 17th is the last day to introduce bills, so we'll probably have the most complete update in March. Um, we'll have a few more things um, this coming uh, meeting, but it'll be much more robust in March. CSL, um, they have a number of new members, and there are a number of new legislators. So it's taking some time to get the feel of the Capitol. Um, but some of the new members, some of the members all met with their representatives prior to the session starting in Sacramento last fall. So they're off to a, a rousing start. Um, eight of their 10 bills have been picked up by legislators. I think that's the highest um, since I've been working on that committee that this is. Um, and seven were picked up before any of the meetings with the legislators. So I think that's a good sign. And there is a joint Senate resolution to create Ageism Awareness Month, uh, and that would be May, which is already senior month. So um, we'll be drafting a letter of support for that. And then um, Deputy Director Kaufman gave us an update on some of the federal and um, some of the money issues, which will be ongoing, especially as we move out of this period of emergency. Well, for uh, the beginning of a start of the legislative year, that's still a lot of, a lot of <laughs> progress. So it's good to hear about those bills being picked up. That's, that's pretty exciting. It is. Yeah. Any questions from commissioners? Thank, thank you. I just have one other comment. The new chair of the assembly, um, ta assembly on the on senior and persons with disabilities issues is a physician. Um, she has been a caregiver, so she comes with a lot of uh, first-hand experience, and she's ready to, to help make changes. She also comes, she comes from Kern County, which is a county that has a lot of challenges, and she feels replicates the state, so it'll be interesting to see how things move through her committee. Great, okay. Well, thanks for letting us know about that. Um, Great. Well, thank you so much. Um, and I think we're ready for the case report. All right, commissioners. Item 12 is the case report presented by Fiona Hinze, who I believe is on WebEx. Okay. Um, we do have it presented. We do have it sent in. Right. Commissioners have received this case report, um, and certainly we could combine any comments that wanted to be brought out next month. Okay. If that's appropriate, and sorry about the connectivity issues. Okay, Commissioners, item 13 is public comment. An opportunity for members of the public to address commission on matters that are not on today's calendar. Are there any members of the public that would like to address the commission today? Moderator, please open the phone line for public comment. We'll allow some time for callers to submit their request. Moderator, do we have any callers in the queue? There are no callers, thank you. Okay, moving on. Commissioners, your next item is item 14, old business. Commissioners, please indicate by raising your hand if there's any old business that you'd like to discuss. And I don't see any hands on WebEx as well. 
Okay. Okay. Ready for 15? Yep. Okay. <laughs> the item, uh, commissioners, the next agenda item is item 15, approval of the consent agenda. This item constitutes a consent agenda and is considered to be routine by the Disability and Aging Services Commission and will be acted upon by a single vote of the commission. There will be no separate discussion of this item unless a member of the commission or the public so requests, in which event the matter will be removed from the consent calendar and considered a separate item. And this item is Conard House. Uh, it is for an additional amount of $3,313 um, between uh, 7 one nine, 2019 and 1-1-2023. Uh, Effective date, I'm sorry, between 7-1-2019 and 6-30-2023. Um, are there any comments or questions from the commission on this item? Do we... I don't hearing, see any. hearing none, uh, uh, Ms. do we have anyone from the public who wishes to comment on the approval of the consent agenda? Are there any members of the public that would like to comment on the approval of the consent agenda? Moderator, please open the phone line for public comment on the approval of the consent agenda. We'll allow some time for callers to submit their request. Moderator, do we have any callers in the queue? No callers for this, is, is that correct, moderator? No callers for this item? Got it, thank you. Okay, we can move ahead. And hearing no further requests to speak on the item, we'll close public comment. Uh, Mr. Secretary, can you please take a roll call vote on the approval of the consent agenda? President Martha Knudsen, how do you vote? Yes. Um, Vice President Janet Spears, how do you vote? It's not in my spirit. Board yes. Board. Commissioner Sasha Bittner, how do you vote? Yeah. Commissioner Wanda Zhang, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Nelson Lum, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Barbara Sklar, welcome. How do you vote? Yes. And Commissioner Linda Pennington, I believe we have you on here now. How do you vote? Yes. All right, thank you. Uh, we have a unanimous vote. Okay, great. Thank you so much. And uh, Commissioner Pennington, we already welcomed you in your absence, but we wanted to say welcome and thank you for your first uh, uh, um, vote <laughs> on this. So we'll just continue along with agenda item 16, but welcome. Um, uh, commissioners, the next agenda item is, oh, oh, informational only. 16A and 16B are informational only items. Items 16C and through 16L are going to be action items that require a vote by the commission. Um, and this first agenda item 16A is the DOS proposed budget for fiscal year 23-24 and fiscal year 24-25, which is presented by uh, Executive Director Kelly Dearman and HSA Deputy Director of Finance and Administration, Dan Kaplan. Welcome. Uh, pleased to see you, Commissioners. I'm Dan Kaplan, Deputy Director for Administration and Finance at the Human Services Agency. I'll be doing this presentation with Kelly Dearman, so I will speak to the first eight slides in your presentation. Kelly will pick up at the ninth slide, and then I'll pick up at the end to talk about the schedule. Uh, the way we do these presentations, typically we, we split them over two events, so I will be back at your next meeting and we will finish this. Um, in this first presentation, what we do is we go over the DAS budget at a very high level, 
Um, we talk about the budget context in which we are building the budget for the upcoming two fiscal years. Um, we talk about some issues that are facing DAS and that we will have to address in one way or another in the budget process. And we talk about um, the schedule and the process going forward. We do not give you um, concrete budget proposals at this time, but we will do that when we are back at the next meeting. So before I start, I'd like to say that budget making is something that's done by a large number of people. Um, many managers within DAS get involved in scoping out issues, thinking of solutions, thinking about levels of expenditure that are uh, needed, thinking about ways we can move resources around the budget. Uh, the process is coordinated by the HSA budget office, uh, and there are three folks here today who are from that office and who really do the work of coordinating this budget development process for DAS. The first is Celia Pedrosa, who is the uh, HSA uh, budget director. Uh, Alex Gleason is the uh, principal analyst who works on the DAS budget, and Genevieve Herreria is the senior analyst who works on the DAS budget. So, so they are the three folks who are really instrumental to coordinating this entire process. If we go, yes, to the next slide. Um, so we look at the budget typically in three ways to get a view of, of sort of how, how this budget all comes together. We look at it as a program budget, uh, we look at it by revenue sources, and we look at it through the kinds of expenses we make. And so we have a slide on each of these, and I'll talk about them just a little bit. Um, as you can see, looking at the program budget slide, which is the first up, uh, about three-fifths of the DAS budget is actually in IHSS programming. And this includes payments made to IP providers, uh, payments made uh, for contract mode services through the HomeBridge contract, it includes uh, money that is spent through the public authority to provide health benefits to providers. Um, and, uh, and, and that is really where the, the largest share of the DAS budget goes. And, and in a meaningful way, this understates the amount of money spent on the IHSS program because there is a large chunk of uh, funding that is carried off budget or is, is not really in the city's budget, and that's the federal and state share of the costs of IHSS provider wages. Uh, and that, that's an artifact of the way providers are paid. They are paid through a state-run payrolling system, and so we, in essence, just pay for the local share of uh, the costs of the wages, the state carries the federal and state share on its books. Um, you can see the other major parts of this. The public authority uh, is, a, is a contract within the DAS program, um, but that is, uh, that is where the public authority administration is covered as opposed to health benefits, which are also delivered through the public authority. Uh, there's IHSS city staff, which is obviously a, uh, a substantial staff and a substantial expense. Um, then we have the uh, public administrator, public conservator, and public guardian program. This is, again, a staff budget primarily. 
There's the legal program for public administrator and public guardian, again, mainly a staff budget. County Veteran Services, again, mainly a staff budget. Um, the Office of Community Partnerships programs are, are programs that uh, this commission spends a lot of time uh, working at. Um, this is largely a, a uh, grant budget, and those grants are brought to you for approval and amendment over the course of, uh, of the year. Uh, so that is, as you can see, a very substantial budget within the DAS programming. The food coordin food coordination budget is uh, is, is anomalous. It's a it's an artifact of the way we've handled the budgeting. This, although DAS delivers many nutrition programs, food coordination is actually delivered by an office uh, in HSA administration, and so uh, as we. This, this comes out of the city's COVID response, and uh, when we originally budgeted it at HSA, which we didn't do in the first year, but we did in the second year, we budgeted it in DAS, and, uh, and then we set up an HSA uh, food coordination office, and so that's the group that actually administers these funds, along with about another 15 or $16 million in the current year. Um, the Benefit Hub resources is, again, primarily a staffing budget. Um, this is staff, this is the intake and referral staff that work at Tugoff, and it's also the eligibility staff that works at Tugoff. Uh, Adult Protective Services is, again, a staffing budget. It's the, the uh, Adult Protective Services workers, the, uh, the human services specialists and the management of the APS program. So if we go to the next slide. Um, DAS is funded, as I'm sure you know, by um, a combination of federal, state, and local dollars. Um, this slide breaks those out, and what you can see is that um, both on the state level and on the local level, uh, we divide up buckets of money uh, in different ways. So I'll, I'll talk a little bit about them. These, these are color of money kind of distinctions as opposed to anything more fundamental than that. But so, so federal money comes to the DAS programs as a share of costs for the most part. So uh, APS program, IHSS program um, are matched um, with federal dollars. And, and we project what those dollars are and they go into the budget. There are state dollars that are also based on either allocations or share of costs, and they're described here under the state, 19% or $90 million. And we have uh, two buckets of state money, and we split them out from other state money because the, the the wedge in the pie that's labeled state is really state general funds that are allocated through uh, the legislative process each year. The 1991 and 2011 realignment dollars are a little different. They are dollars that are funded by the state uh, sales and use tax and the state vehicle licensing fee, and they come to counties on a formula basis. Um, they're not tied to specific costs in the specific programs they fund. In, in DAS, 1991 realignment money funds 
part of the local share of the IHSS program. And 2011 realignment dollars funds uh, part of the local share of the APS program. And uh, they have two different dates associated with them because there were two uh, major uh, realignment laws that shifted responsibility, financial responsibility from the, K the state to the counties uh, in these two program areas. There are another set of uh, programs on the um, benefits and family services side that are also supported by 1991 and 2011 realignment. But, but uh, IHSS and, and APS are the two DOS programs. Um, dedicated gifts, grants, and fees, $10 million item. This is mainly Older Americans Act funds. Um, there are also HICAP dollars in here, MIPA dollars in here, and SNAP-Ed dollars in here. Um, community Living Fund is local money um, that, uh, that is dedicated to the Community Living Fund. You get a, a report on that at least once a year and are aware of some of the contracts uh, funded under that. But the largest is, is the IOA contract. Um, there's Brilliant Corners contract in here, and then costs of the get care system are carried in here as well. Um, the Dignity Fund, you also have a lot of discussion about at this commission. Uh, so the, the uh, Dignity Fund programs are, are mainly CBO programs that are, uh, that are paid for through grants. Um, and uh, the Dignity Fund itself is a fund that grows each year by uh, $3 million a year at this point uh, as per local ordinance. Um, so general funds, the, the county puts in or the city puts in uh, general funds as a share of, uh, of costs of some of the programs and also uh, as addbacks from the Board of Supervisors and then as discretionary general funds for, uh, for expenditures that are recommended in our budget process. So again, a substantial, a quarter of the budget comes there. Um, and then the last item here is called work order recovery. In uh, San Francisco budget speak, work orders are, pay, are agreements to, uh, to have one agency pay another agency to do something. Uh, so work order recovery means money that flows in to DAS from another agency. In this case, uh, it's uh, the Department of Public Health uh, comprises uh, almost all of this work order bucket. And it's money that the Department of Public Health sends to DAS to help pay for the health benefits for IHSS workers. Okay, next slide. So we split, we split the budget up into different types of expenditures as well. Um, we, we call these categories now, we used to call them characters, which was a, an interesting term, but we've stopped using that. Um, so the largest share of the DAS budget, uh, looked at this way, goes to aid payments. And aid payments here are really payments to support the work of the IHSS system. These are payments that, uh, that are in the state maintenance of effort payment, which supports a whole range of costs within the IHSS program. 
Uh, these are payments that we make to the IHSS public authority uh, to uh, provide health benefit services for IHSS providers. This is contract mode. Um, so, so this goes into this large bucket of, uh, of aid payments. Then there are CBO grants, again, which are discussed here very frequently. Um, these are services provided directly to clients uh, by not-for-profit organizations um, under grants from DAS. Uh, there's a tiny materials and supplies budget. Uh, there's a tiny uh, work order budget. This is money that DAS pays to SF Muni for paratransit services primarily. Um, there are salaries. $46 million that fund DAS staff. There's fringe benefits, which are fringe benefits for DAS staff. Um, there are professional services, um, and there are a lot of different rules about how we categorize the differences between professional services and grant services. But, but in this case, this is, this is mainly money spent with brilliant corners for scattered site housing and uh, for get, the get care system. Um, and then let's see, we also have an aid assistance bucket, which is relatively small, but comprises items like the APS uh, heavy cleaning budget, public conservator transportation budget, and APS emergency placement beds. Next slide. So each year, the city um, develops a new forecast. And they do it, um, well, they do it several times a year, but, but in, uh, in the autumn, they do it for purposes of informing the budget-making process. And the key issue that comes out of that, or the key fact that comes out of that, is the estimate of the amount of surplus or the estimate of the amount of deficit that the city will face for its current service level. And, without getting into the technical discussion of a current service level budget. It's essentially what it'll cost us to just continue to run as we are running now. Um, and so as you can see on this, um, on this slide, the bottom line is that the city is projecting a $200 million deficit in the budget year, fiscal year 23-24, and a $527 million deficit um, in the second year of the biennium uh, fiscal year 24-25. Now, obviously, the city needs to have a balanced budget, so this is the gap we, we all city agencies, collectively have to bridge in making our budgets. Um, so where does the gap come from? Next slide. Um, I guess there are two things. There are a set of expenses that are understood and, and that are growing at a rate that can be estimated with a reasonable degree of accuracy. And then there's a little slightly harder to estimate um, a revenue forecast. Um, the revenue forecast is probably the bigger piece here. And, um, and it is, uh, growth is much slower than anticipated. And, and it's for reasons that you have been hearing over and over and over again. Uh, San Francisco's recovery is slower than expected. Uh, the downtown recovery is especially slower than uh, expected. Um, 
property and business and transfer taxes have been uh, have been doing less well than was well less well than the growth that had happened before would suggest they'd be at. Um, there's been a decline in commercial uh, property values, especially. There's a high uh, office vacancy rate, which means fewer people are coming into the downtown area, reducing business taxes and also reducing economic activity on the ground. Uh, so all this comes together to, to give us a much weaker uh, revenue out than we would have needed. Um, expenses are you know, going up for all the normal reasons. There is inflation. Um, Mainly, there are labor costs that are going up, uh, and that's been a known thing because we're sort of in the second or third year of, con of all the contracts in the city. So, um, so when we put those together, we get the $200 million and $500 million gaps that are projected. Um, okay. I, I should say, this is not... It's not really a recession forecast that we're looking at now. And I think the city, uh, the controller's office, the mayor's office, and the BLA have been, have been pretty um, assiduous about saying that uh, this, is a, this is a weakening revenue situation compared to what we'd seen before. It doesn't really meet the definition of, of a recession, and there's some risk of recession. And... So everyone is sort of taking the position of, okay, we, we think we're going to hold together at this level of revenue, but it's, it's a little bit tentative, given where economic indicators are today. So um, the mayor issues budget instructions in December each year, and one of the key elements of those instructions is whether agencies will or will not have to make reductions in their general fund budgets, and if so, how big those uh, reductions are meant to be. And this year, um, the mayor's office instructed agencies to propose budgets that included 5% general fund reductions and, um, and then 8% general fund reductions in the second year. And so also without being technical, I'd like to say a little bit about what that 5% and 8% are applied to. Um, because if you went back to the sources slide, you would see that um, that the general funds in the DAS budget are $116 million, so 5% of that would be $6 million-ish, I guess. Um, and an HSA as a whole is not being asked to uh, reduce that much. It's being asked to reduce $2 million between DAS and benefits and family services. And the reason for this is that the reduction uh, targets are computed on what are thought of generally as discretionary general funds. So, so we have a lot of general funds that are tied up in uh, in the aid program, there are uh, some in special funds that, uh, that aren't uh, used for purposes of computing this. So the amount uh, that of general funds that are um, used in this calculation are much smaller. Um, and so, so 
um, our 5% share translates into $2 million in uh, the first year and $3.2 million in the second year of this budget, which, you know, at this point, I mean, we haven't, we haven't uh, proposed a budget yet. We haven't brought a budget to you. But at this point, we're thinking is a relatively manageable uh, level. So we're not anticipating service cuts of any sort in order to meet this. Um, the mayor has said that her priority is filling positions. I should note, uh, it's probably been mentioned here before, but that uh, HSA in general has a uh, very high vacancy rate at the moment. DAS has a high vacancy rate at the moment. And that is pretty common for city agencies right at this time. Um, you may have noticed uh, over the last week or so, uh, there was a, a Chronicle article about the city uh, be getting ready to fix its hiring process. Um, and it talks about vacancy rates throughout the city. Um, it, I mean, part of the problem is our hiring process, certainly. Part of it is that uh, over the last couple of years, we've lost a very large number of people uh, for a number of reasons, some of them shifting to other agencies in the city, some of them going to other uh, opportunities in the not-for-profit or private sector, some of people just stepping out of work. Um, so it, it's been a tough time from the retention point of view as well as the hiring point of view. So anyway, the, may, the mayor has, um, has encouraged us all to move forward at hiring as much as we can in filling our vacancies. We are certainly doing that. Um, and she has also outlined that her um, strongest uh, Priorities are around public safety, homelessness and mental health, and the economic recovery of the city. Um, okay. So let us go to the next. So obviously we, we build budgets on the local level um, in the context of the state budget situation and the federal budget situation. Um, the state budget, uh, gets proposed in, in two steps. Um, in January, the governor proposes the, the first budget, um, which is based on the revenue forecast that's available a month or two before that. Um, the, uh, the governor uh, identified a $22 billion gap in state financing, um, and and then what will happen is we will come back again in May and the governor's office will update their forecasts and there will be a second uh, proposal in May, which will preserve much of what was in the first proposal, but will adjust numbers quite a bit and may have additional items. Um, so the governor has attempted to deal with that $22 billion shortfall through a lot of actions that are meant to, to put off costs, um, to suspend uh, planned investments, um, not so much to really cut ongoing programming. And in the human services area, uh, his proposals don't reduce spending in any significant way for human services programs. Uh, you know, when we look at the way his forecast will play out in the human services agency in San Francisco, um, there are a number of allocations that improve 
Um, there is a drop in 2011 realignment revenue. And when we put it all together, we're pretty much flat. So it, it's, I mean, given, given the size of the gap at the state level, we feel like we've, we've come out in a fairly good position here. Um, the state is also, you know, saying we're, we're issuing this budget. We're not in a recession. We're also worried that we might tip into a recession. And if we do, then, then things could look worse in May. So that's the other warning that's out there. On the federal side, the big thing that, that we have to deal with is over the pandemic, there's been a great deal of uh, federal one-time money that has flowed to cities and counties and flowed to particular programs within cities and counties. And that money is beginning to dry up. Um, that affects us at both the state and the local level. So um, I guess we have a, a final note here that we'll uh, continue to, main to maintain critical services. I, you know, at this point, as I said before, I think there's not going to be a difficulty in doing that in our proposal. Uh, we have a number of issues that we need to deal with and we will be moving resources around to attempt to do that. Um, so what I'd like to do at this point is shift over to have Kelly talk about DAS programming and, and issues within the budget for DAS programming, and then I will come back, and then we can answer questions together. Thank you so much, um, Dan. Um, okay, so I'll have that slide, please. Thank you. Um, so without getting into total detail, because you all have a chance to, um, you will have a chance to review this, but what I want to say about this slide is that caseloads in all departments in DOS continue to increase. Um, this has a lot to do with efforts, our efforts to increase access and to serve all those in need, but um, the need is out there, and so the caseloads are going up. Okay, next slide, please. In terms of some DOS highlights, over the past year, the IHSS program has been working in collaboration with our community partners to develop new strategies to address the extreme shortage of home care workers. Earlier this year, DOS funded three new staffing positions within the IHSS Public Authority to allow that organization to enhance their recruitment activities. Some of the strategies that they're implementing include sending out targeted text messages, offering recruitment workshops, and outreach to providers who previously were connected to the public authority to encourage them to consider working as a home care provider again. DOS is also engaged in assisting HomeBridge, San Francisco's IHSS contract mode provider, to address the challenges that they continue to experience recruiting and retaining home care providers. Homebridge recently launched an artificial intelligence digital campaign, and they have raised wages $2 an hour. Also, bargaining is underway for a new contract between the IHSS Public Authority and SEIU Local 2015. Um, they're the ones that represent IHSS independent providers in San Francisco. The current contract ends June 30th of this year. The new contract will certainly have budget implications for the city. In Adult Protective Services, our APS program is pleased, was pleased to receive a second allocation of funding from the state to continue and grow our Home Safe program. 
Since its inception, our HomeSafe program has enrolled 215 older adults and or adults with disabilities who are experiencing or at risk of experiencing homelessness. DOS operates this program in collaboration with the Institute on Aging and the Department of Homelessness and Supportive Housing. Today, HomeSafe is considered a critical component of the city's multifaceted approach to homelessness. The Office of the Public Conservator and the Public Guardian, um, as well as the Representative Payee Program, have started to plan for the impacts that will likely result from the state's new CARE Court initiative. San Francisco is one of seven pilot counties that will launch CARE Court in October of this year. The Department of Public Health is tasked with the responsibility to implement this new initiative, but DOS is anticipating increased referrals for conservatorship and money management services. So in order to prepare for these impacts, DOS is meeting regularly with the Department of Public Health and we're evaluating the possible need for increased staffing in order to respond to the likely increase in referrals. Okay, next slide please. So um, from the Office of Community Partnerships, um, we're continuing to adapt to the challenges of COVID-19 and the pandemic. So the end of the emergency declarations um, means the greatest impact will be our nutrition services. As you know, to-go meals are very popular during the pandemic and continue to be popular. And prior to the pandemic, to-go meals were only allowed in very limited circumstances. Post-pandemic probably won't go back completely to the old rules, but it's probably going to be limited in terms of how we do to-go meals. DOS will continue to ensure access to meals even after the emergency declaration is over. The new state funding for nutrition and technology programming, um, CDA provided over $1 million in one-time only funding for CBO infrastructure needs for nutrition. In terms of technology, there are multiple new state investments for programs designed to help reduce isolation, increase connections by bridging the digital divide. Um, CDA recently allocated $1.1 million to San Francisco, which will be used to expand capacity for existing programs and refresh SF-connected computer labs. Plus, 1,400 tablet computers for distribution are coming in March and additional funding uh, projected at a little over a million dollars to continue support for technology programs coming sometime later in this fiscal year. In terms of the online resource directory, the public-facing directory of resources and services for older adults and people with disabilities is now available to the general public. That launched yesterday. The directory also has the ability to provide a closed loop referral system for participating organizations. We launched a pilot to test this feature starting yesterday, so we're still just doing the pilot. For intergenerational programming, the programming that brings together older adults and our adults with disabilities with at least one other generation to engage in joint activities and to help build relationships. Six CBOs are currently participating and it's really a huge success, and participant, participants report feeling engaged and valued. Next, based on the findings of the Dignity Fund Community Needs Assessment, 
Um, this will determine the Dignity Fund activities and funding to address the unmet need for the next four years. Uh, the service allocation plan will be presented to the Oversight and Advisory Committee on February 27th. So um, let's see, the Disability Community Cultural Center, this will be the first of its kind in the country, which I know I've talked about many times. Um, it will be part of the Kelsey Civic Center, which will include 112 housing units, of which 25% will be reserved for people with disabilities. So the goal of the center, as you all know, will be to provide virtual and in-person community service programming, educational, artistic, and social networking opportunities for people with disabilities and their allies. We are really looking forward to that. So the Benefits and Resource Hub, um, DOS Integrated Intake is part of California's Age and Disability Resource Connectors. So it's a no wrong door system of care for people seeking information and access to long-term services and support. DOS works in partnership with the San Francisco Independent Living Resource Center and the DOS-funded Community Living Fund Program at the Institute on Aging to provide these services. DOS intake submitted as a promising practice the work they do with the 14 Age and Disability Resource Center satellite locations throughout San Francisco. So the submission was selected to be posted on, our submission was selected to be posted on California Department of Aging's website within the ADRC library. So that's very cool. Um, in terms of CalSAWS, working, we're working with HSA's San Francisco Benefits Network on the planning and implementation of the California statewide automated welfare system, CalSAWS. It's a case management system for county eligibility staff. It provides CalWORKs, CalFresh, Medi-Cal, foster care, refugee assistance, county medical services program, and general assistance and general relief to children, families, and individuals. This is going to be used in all 58 counties. It will provide um, some of these functions, eligibility, determination, benefits calculations, benefits issuance, and information management. This will replace the old system of CalWIN, and it goes live in October, so there's a lot of work happening now. Um, lastly, uh, Civic Bridge. DOS has heard from the community of the need for a one-stop shop for older adults and people with disabilities to find resources and sign up for services and benefits they need. DOS created the Benefits and Resources Hub to meet this need, but we recognize that many in the community are unaware of it, which is why um, one thing we're doing is the online resource directory. But all this to say, a lot of work is happening, and, um, and we are being very much aware of what will or will not affect the budget, but we're just gonna keep plowing through. Thanks, Dan. Okay, and then to just close today's presentation, um, in our last slide, we just kind of lay out the schedule that we're gonna deal with. So. Obviously, we're here today at the first meeting. We will be back again in two weeks, uh, and we will present our, uh, our new budget to you, comparing it to the budget we described today. Um, on February 21st, HSA will, on behalf of DAS and uh, Benefits and Family Services, submit to the mayor's office the proposed HSA budget. Um, and then we will go back and forth with the mayor's office uh, for a number of months. We'll, we'll work out 
sort of the particular proposals to go in and what they're going to look like and what levels we'll fund things at. And then on June 1st, uh, the mayor will present her budget to the board, obviously including the HSA and DAS budgets within it. Um, and then we will go through a process of meetings with board members, committee hearings, discussions, uh, maybe some adjustments uh, to pieces of the budget. Um, and then there will be a board add back process uh, typically that, that will then uh, fund particular items in budgets. Um, and then the board will uh, in early July vote on the budget and the mayor will two weeks later presumably sign it and we will be off and running implementing the next biennium's budget. So that's our presentation for today. Are there any questions? Um, we probably will have questions. I just want to say to begin with, thank you so much. I know the work that goes into this uh, is extensive, and I've I listened, I've been on this commission long enough to, to realize what a comprehensive um, set of information you've just provided us, which we really, really appreciate. Of course, this is also for the public. This is a public meeting, so this is the public view of everything and the, the level of detail and um, uh, the way that it's communicated is very clear and and understandable. So <laughs> I just really appreciate that as, as the rest of the commission does. And I just want to say thank you to the other staff that you also acknowledged at the beginning of this because I do know that's still not that many people and that they worked really hard to put this together. So, so thank you for the, all of that. Uh, let me ask uh, other commissioners if they have questions about the budget. Um, yeah, I just have one, and this is more from an understanding uh, perspective. You mentioned, uh, uh, Mr. Kaplan, that this is not a recessionary budget. Um, how, do, how do we define when we are in a recessionary budget? You know, there is a technical definition, and I, and I, can't, uh, I can't spout it. I don't know if anyone else has the okay. technical definition. So there's actually a technical definition of what a recession there, there is. Budget. In it. Mr. Kaplan, can you put the mic? Yes. I, what I said was that there is a technical definition, and I I do not I can't reproduce it. That's but, that's okay. But, you know, obviously, it has to do with with declines in uh, in the size of the economy over okay. the period. Of so five percent, or the numbers that we're speaking about, is not significant enough to say that we're within a recessionary budget, or is it well, more from well, a source that's, perspective? That's, that's true, and as I said when we were talking about the 5% reduction, it's 5% on a, on a portion of the general funds within the HSA and DAS budget. Right. So, it, so it comes out to be $2 million in right. the budget year, which, is, which I think we will be able to manage. Right, right. Okay. Go to the WebEx. <laughs> Good morning. Thank you very much for the uh, presentation. I realize the amount of work that, that um, I must, must have uh, went into it. It's very, you know, uh, I, I very much appreciate it. Uh, as a veteran and as a re representative of veterans' interest on this commission, I'm going to have to take this budget back, the program, back to the veterans' community and show it to them, say this is what DAS is, you know, is, is uh, proposing to do for this coming year. And the first thing that jumps out at me is that uh, county, uh, county veteran services, 0%. How am I going to answer to the veterans community when, when they go, what, 0%? Mm -hmm. I realize there's $1.1 million, you know, 
in included in that, but still, uh, you know, uh, perception is reality. Okay. Um, I also I also realize the other programs also benefit veterans. Sure. I understand that, but I think we need to uh, do a better job of listing the, the amount of benefit that actually goes towards the veterans group, so that at least will make it easier for me if I you know when I go in front of them and say you know this is the budget, and they look at me and say why why were you appointed there to, to begin with? Hmm. Okay. okay, so that's that's my number one question. Well, I, I won't take it exactly as a question, but I, I, I do hear the statement that you're making, and I think that we can help by, by making the point that you made, actually, which is the staff that staffs the veterans program may represent $1.1 million of cost, but they provide access to a much broader array of services, and I think that's important for us to be able to bring out. The, the, the other question I have is uh, uh, recognizing that we are going to have a uh, $200.8 million, $200 million uh, budget uh, deficit, and the proposal to reduce uh, the budget by 5% only amounts to $2 million. So there's 198 million that it's not not accounted for. Uh, do we have any contingency plans made? So, so the hundred, the other 198 million is um, is money that will be handled in different ways in different uh, parts of the city's budget. It won't be in the HSA budget. So there's a 200 and 200 million dollar uh, problem gap to be covered. Uh, citywide, and the city will propose a mix of agency reductions and citywide um, ways of dealing with that gap. And so what the mayor does at this point is she assigns out portions of that, not, not all of it, to the various agencies. So our share that we have to meet within the agency's general fund usage is $2 million, but, but many other parts of the city government will contribute, if that's the right word, to, the, to making up the rest of that uh, gap. Okay. Thank you. Okay. Other commissioners, do we have any? Uh, yeah, Commissioner Jung. First of all, I just want to just kind of step back um, and speak on more uh, going back to where we were, uh, I just want to agree with President Knudsen on the excellent work in terms of the presentation for both um, kind of a look back on our budget expenditures as well as a uh, summary of the work that's been done, that DAS has been doing this past year. Budget time is kind of interesting times. It gives us a time to reflect, uh, reflect and to also to look forward. Um, I'm just Again, impressed with the amount of work um, and the excellent work that DOS has been doing in terms of serving um, our seniors and, and persons with disabilities. And um, just really appreciate um, all the thoughts, the planning in terms of the expenditure of funds to make those services happen. Um, thank you. Um, Deputy Director Kaplan for um, 
presenting a picture that's not as grim as it initially appears to be in terms of our reduced revenues and the need to uh, take a look at uh, uh, reducing expenditures that basically it's, it is all manageable. And I hear for clearly that there is uh, no plans or need to to reduce services at uh, at all in terms of uh, uh, the need to meeting our needs of community. So I just want to say thank you uh, for um, the good work that's been uh, done in terms of both program work as well as um, the budget work. Thank you very much, Commissioner. Okay, thank you. Um, Commissioner Jung, any other commissioner comment from? Okay, hearing none. Um, and then that I wanted to just also summarize, and this is a always a dangerous thing to do, but, but <laughs> let me just say it this way, that, that Commissioner Jung going off on what she said, you're not, that the main thing to get from this is we don't see us <coughs> taking service cuts but where we may need to cut where there are positions that are unfilled, is that is that where well, we haven't gotten to the, we up. haven't gotten to but that. But we point have yet. so many positions that are not filled, it's a little it's a gray area. In other words, there's probably not anything even targeted specifically. Is that fair to say? Or is that too far? So, <laughs> to all right. That? So you know, we, we will present to you in a couple of weeks how we intend to handle this. One of the things, and this is again a technical point in our uh, budget work, is we have, let's call it 2,400-ish positions within the HSA budget. We are not planning to give up any of those positions, but, but we never fully fund all the positions. So if you think about it, I mean, this this year we are in a worse position in terms of vacancies than we normally are. But we always have some vacancies, right? And when we build a budget, we try and say, okay, so if we had all 2,400 positions filled, we'd need X amount of money. That's not going to happen. What's a reasonable vacancy rate to take into account? And um, and then we build a budget that assumes that. So there is a certain amount of um, play, if you will, in what percentage of the full personnel expense we fund. And, and that does give us some flexibility to meet. That's and, and you know, as um, you noted, we have a, a large vacancy right now. We are going to attempt, as the mayor has encouraged us to, to fill as many positions as possible. That won't happen all at once, right? So we will have a, a process of building up the staff level over the course of the fiscal year. So that that is one of the ways we can manage to some extent, yes. Th thank you for that answer. That actually clears it up. Mm -hmm. I, I do understand that. Okay. <laughs> I just wanted to hear we, the, the, what you first said. We're not giving up positions. Okay. Okay. Um, all right, then I think if there were no other questions, we can move on to um, Actually, uh, public uh, comment. Public comment. Thank you. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I was getting there. <laughs> Are there any members of the public that would like to comment on agenda item 16A? Moderator, please open the phone line for public comment on the agenda item 16A. We allow some time for callers to submit their queue. 
Moderator, do we have any callers in the line? Uh, there are no callers. Thank you. That concludes the public comment. Okay, then hearing no further uh, requests to speak on the item, we'll close public comment and move on to the next informational item. Um, oh, of course, yeah. Yeah, we can go back. That, that's great to hear. Okay. We want to go ahead. So let me... With a case report in yeah. Fianza Hinsley okay. is, is uh, joining us at this point. Welcome. Thank you, commissioners, for taking me out of order. I had technical difficulties finding the WebEx password. Anywho, um, Happy New Year. Um, this is the first time that we are before you um, for this year. Um, my name is Fiona Hinsley. I'm the co-chair of CASE, also director of public policy and independent living resource center. Um, and my co-chair usually presents, but I'm coming in for the for him today. So we have a few updates for you. Um, for members of the public, briefly, CASE is a um, a coalition of agencies that serve seniors and people with disabilities throughout San Francisco. Um, we typically hear update on our um, activities as well as the programs, the educational programming we, we provide for our membership. So in our January membership meeting, we had um, staff members from Community Tech Network um, CTN present on their capacity building um, suite that they offer for nonprofits to kind of really teach folks how to train in bridging the digital divide. So that was informative as to how we uh, plan to pursue maybe some digital divide related advocacy um, this year. Uh, and I'll add that also. In December, since we haven't been for you since then, we did have a wonderful um, holiday gathering um, at Mission Neighborhood Center. We thank them for uh, hosting us. Um, this was our first in-person holiday party since the um, pandemic, so it was good to see everybody in person. Um, we thank uh, Deputy Director Kaufman for attending on behalf of, of DOS. Um, always good to see Director Kaufman with providers. Um, so, and you have linked in your um, packet today our written report, which, which has some links uh, to photos um, both from the event itself and also a slideshow of. Uh, Provider provided pictures from throughout the year um, that we particularly like. So you can uh, take a look at that at your leisure. Um, at our February membership meeting, um, which is not next week, but the week after, we also have Deputy Director Kaufman coming to present our featured presentation on a um, uh, isolation scale, uh, sort of measuring the degree of isolation of an older adult that the um, that your department has been piloting. Um, they are seeking feedback on implementation of 
the scale after a pilot. So uh, Deputy Director Kaufman will be coming to case to get that feedback. So we look forward to that. Um, on the service provider working group, so case also co-leads the service provider working group on behalf of DOS. Uh, we reported a few meetings ago, we reported that we had some priorities um, for the OHC based off the needs assessment that you can read in, in your report in great detail. Um, but I will say that um, Director Gearman referenced in her, her report um, the service and allocation plan and such. We hope um, that that will be, we're having a, um, a service provider worker meeting on the 22nd to um, go over that draft uh, before it goes before the Oversight and Advisory Com Committee. So we will be before them to provide feedback. Um, as you know, the role of the service provider work group is to advise the OAC on all, on all matters related to the Dignity Fund. So we'll be doing that. Um, we'll be doing that next month and we hope that um, the department is able to get the um, the draft report out to us before that um, February 22nd meeting so providers have sufficient time to review it um, before the service provider work group meeting. Um, this is not in your packet, however, since I'm following um, uh, Deputy Director Kaplan and uh, Director Gearman's budget presentation. I will say that typically, uh, case part of Case's role is um, some budget advocacy, primarily uh, through the mayor's budget and the ADVAC process through the Board of Supervisors. Um, that was mentioned by Deputy Director Kaplan. We uh, typically. Uh, write a, um, an advocacy letter uh, to DOS uh, to make them aware of those priorities. We are, we are still working through those and hope to be uh, completed with those um, within the next couple of weeks or so. So um, DOS, will, uh, the department should be expecting that letter before they have to submit their final budgets. And we will be back before you next month to sort of go over uh, what we come up with in detail. Uh, I was awaiting the budget, the budget instruct, the mayor's budget instructions, uh, so that that would inform our advocacy. Um, and for my last item, I will inform you that. Um, Case does our uh, officer elections uh, once a year in January. So our, our slate for this year is um, myself um, as co-chair, um, Dan Gallagher, who usually comes before you to report of Stepping Stone is my co-chair again. We have Christina Irving from Family Caregiver Alliance staying on as our secretary and Aurora Eldor Eldorado um, from Mission Neighborhood Center is our
new treasure. We thank our outgoing treasure, Patty Clements from Catholic Charities for her service. And um, that is my report. Great. Well, thank you so much. I'm glad we did get your report today. Are there any comments or questions from commissioners? Then I, I just want to say thank you for uh, offering to continue to serve as co-chair and also Dan Gallagher. And uh, thank you for uh, monitoring our, our budget process and providing the input that you do. So we appreciate that very much. And we'll look, look forward thank to you, it. Commissioners. All right. Um, then we'll move along um, to um, the next item is informational only. So that this is 16B, uh, fiscal year uh, 2022-23 area plan budget amendment one, um, and it is a presented by budget analyst Genevieve Herrera. Welcome. Hi. Good. <laughs> I have to do the same thing. <laughs> I didn't realize. You, you can turn it. Okay. Uh, good morning, commissioners. Executive Director Dearman. I am here to report that the um, that San Francisco is receiving an additional allocation on area plan funding. Um, for this fiscal year, um, we are receiving $225,000, um, which will be going to support existing programs um, along the lines of the Older Americans Act. Um, the funding comes from a mix of state and federal dollars that were left unspent in the 2021-22 uh, area plan um, allocation. Um, the funds are distributed to counties by formula. And so in the materials uh, that uh, were posted publicly in support of this item, uh, you will notice that there is a detail on the exact amounts by program under the Older Americans Act. Um, Commissioner Jung, I also want to thank you for pointing out a, um, a, a typo in the memo uh, that... Um, under the supportive services budget I don't, description on page two, um, the total budget for supportive services has been increased to $263,526 as shown on the chart on page one. Um, there was a typo there where uh, I accidentally um, mentioned the, oh, I, my apologies, it, the, the uh, the typo is in Ombudsman's program on page two. I accidentally mentioned the total budget for supportive services, but the Ombudsman program budget is now um, increased to 263,526. Any other comments or questions from the commissioners? Thank you, Commissioner Jung, for finding that. Um, And hearing none, I think we're ready for public comment. This is good news. <laughs> Are there any members of the public that would like to comment on agenda item 16B? Moderator, please open the phone line for public comment on agenda item 16B, who allows some time for callers to submit their request. Moderator, do we have any callers in the queue? Uh, there are no callers in the queue. Thank you. And that concludes public comment. Great. Thank you.
Um, hearing no further requests to speak on the item, we'll close public comment. Um, commissioners, item 16C through L are action items that do require a vote from the commission. I'll start with item 16C, which is requesting authorization to modify the existing grant agreement with Edgewood Center for Children and Families for the provision of kinship family caregiver support services for the period of January 1st, 2023 to June 30th, 2026 in the additional amount of 96000 $948 plus a 10% contingency for a revised total amount not to exceed $381,370. And Erica Maybaum will be presenting this item. Welcome. Hi, good morning, Commissioners and Executive Director Dearman. My name is Erica Maybaum, and I'm a program analyst for the Office of Community Partnerships. Um, thank you for your time today. Before you is a budget modification for Edgewood Center for Children and Families. The budget modification will be a new DOS-funded program added to their existing Kinship Family Caregiver Support Services grant. The purpose of Kinship Family Caregiver Support Services is to assist re San Francisco residents who are grandparents, step-grandparents, or any other older relative of a child by blood, marriage, or adoption who is 55 or older and identified as the primary caregiver through legal or informal agreement. This new DOS-funded program would further support kinship caregivers by providing professional group and individualized support for needs that have been identified by the kinship caregivers. Before going into specifics of the proposed program, I wanted to share a little background. The average age of Edgewood's current kinship caregiver is 62 years old. 40% manage chronic medical conditions such as diabetes, hypertension, and arthritis. 60% have reported that these conditions interfere with their child rearing before they entered Edgewood's programs. Many report caring for the needs of their children before taking care of their own needs. The Community Nurse Support Program will be facilitated by a licensed registered nurse or nurse practitioner and will support the kinship caregivers by providing the following services. 24 hours of monthly workshops providing information to manage caregiver health on topics such as nutrition, COVID-related issues, sex, sex, sex after 60, healthy aging, and other topics as requested by the caregivers. Um, this program will provide 93 hours of facilitated evidence-based curriculum on helping older adults self-manage pain and chronic medical conditions such as arthritis, diabetes, high blood pressure, anxiety, depression. These will also include easy exercises to help improve or maintain strength and energy, how to talk effectively with family, friends, and health professionals, and how to increase confidence in one's ability to manage health. 25 units of health and wellness resources related to issues that interfere with caregivers' ability to care for themselves and kin children, such as information about nutrition, pain management, referrals to healthcare services, and depending on the needs, uh, this could also include supplies such as blood pressure kits, thermometers, hygiene products, et cetera. Um, lastly, 12 private health consultations is included as part of the program. This can be either in-office or home-based to provide health needs assessments and subsequent follow-ups and resources for care. Edgewood Center for Children and Families provides high quality services for kinship caregivers. 
I monitored their contract in May of 2022, and any deliverables that were under target were justified, addressed, and resolved. Um, DOS is excited to support this new community nurse program, and I'm happy to answer any questions you may have. Well, thank, thank you, and thank you for the level of detail on that so we understood the justification for it because people might not realize the yeah. connection. So that, that was very helpful. Any other questions, for, any questions from commissioners on this item? Okay. Not seeing any. Do we have any public comment? Are there any members of the public that would like to comment on agenda item 16C? C. Moderator, please open the phone line for public comment on agenda item 16C. We'll allow some time for callers to submit their queue. Moderator, do we have any callers in the queue? Oh, there are no callers. Thank you. Okay, we will close public comment. Um, uh, commissioners, do we have a motion to approve item C? So moved. So moved. From Vice President Spears, and I think. Oh, I the. Okay, Commissioner Bittner, but I'll get you to do it next time. <laughs> Can we please take a roll call vote to approve item C? President Martha Knutson, how do you vote? Yes. Vice President Janet Spears, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Sasha Bittner, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Wanda Zhang, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Nelson Lum, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Barbara Sklar, how do you vote? Yes. And Commissioner Linda Pennington, how do you vote? Yes. Thank you. We have unanimous vote. Great, thank you, commissioners. Um, the next order of business is agenda item D and requires a vote by the commission. Item D requests authorization to modify the existing grant agreement with self-help for the elderly for the provision of adult day program services for older adults and adults with disabilities during the period of February 1st, 2023 to June 30th, 2024 in the additional amount of $218,692 plus a 10% contingency for a total grant amount not to exceed $1,120,000. $1,636, and staff Sarah Chan uh, will be presenting this item. Welcome. Good morning, Commissioners, Executive Director. My name is Sarah Chan. I'm the Program Analyst of Office of Community Partnerships. I'm seeking your approval to modify the existing grant with self-help for the elderly for their adult day program. This modification is from additional funding provided through the APAC process. Self-help for the elderly adult day services include an adult day program, adult day health care center, and Alzheimer's day care resource center. DAS currently funds their adult day program and Alzheimer's day care resource centers. And their services provide opportunity for socialization activity, personal care, and supervision to support community living for older adults and adults with disability, as well as respite for their families and caregivers. The center serves primarily low-income, monolingual Chinese um, older adults and adults with disability. And the program provides person-centered care and culture-tailored activities. And the majority of the center staff are bilingual in Chinese, including dialogue, Cantonese, Mandarin, and Toysanese, and or uh, they can speak other Asian languages, such as Burmese, Japanese, and Vietnamese. Uh, at current time, the ADS Adult Day Services uh, are primarily pro provided in person at the center. They are currently serving about 28 clients in their ADP program and with an average daily attendance of 16 clients. 
And for those clients who are not quite ready to return to the center, and the center staff continue to reaching out to them, providing them um, social support, mailing educational health material, and uh, activity packets to their family. And the modification uh, will allow them to restore the funding at the 20 and 21 level. And uh, so this funding will provide 22, 23, and 23, and 24 for uh, the support of the salary of a physical therapy and occupational therapist at the center. And this clinician provide uh, important services. They provide supervision of the center's maintenance therapy program and exercise program. And they provide full prevention education to the client and their family, pain management education, and they also provide home safety training and uh, full, prevent, full prevention trainings uh, to participants and their caregivers. And the services provided by the clinician are part of the grantees' uh, integrated, structured, comprehensive program. Therefore, the modification will not change the overall service units. And during fiscal year 21-22, the program review, and the grantee has met all programmatic standard and expectation. And thank you for your time. I'm happy to answer your question. Okay, great, thank you. Um, any comments or questions from commissioners on this item? I have a question. Um, yes, go ahead, uh, Commissioner Jung. Um, Ms. Chen, I was just wondering if you can clarify in, in terms of, I have no question, I think it's a very important program and it provides uh, a very needed service. My question just has to do with um, the modification of funding. You said it's to restore uh, salaries for physical and occupational therapists. So um, is there another employee right now or are they currently employed but being paid by other source right now? They're currently paid by other sources. And this, um, so as we know that the, the agency also putting other funding source to support the pro program. Um, the program also have adult day healthcare. So, um, so they have other funding source, but they really need this funding in order to provide an integrated comprehensive. And the ADP clients also um, benefit from the clinician. As we know the functional, uh, mobility and, and a really key point to maintain the client's quality of life. All right, okay, thank you. Thank you for clarifying. Thank you. That did clarify it. Thank you so much for the question. Any other um, commissioner questions or comments on this item? Great, then do we uh, have any public comment? Are there any members of the public that would like to comment on agenda item D? Moderator, please open the phone line for public comment on agenda item 14D, who allows some time for callers to submit their request. Moderator, do we have any callers in the queue? There are no callers in the queue, so that concludes public comment. Great, thank you so much. Um, hearing no further requests, we'll close public comment. Is there a motion to approve agenda item D from commissioners? I move. Second. Second. Okay, so I think. I think it was Jung and Vice President Spears for a second. Um, uh, could we have a roll call, please? President Martha Knudsen, how do you vote? Uh, yes. Vice President Janet Spears, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Sasha Bittner, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Wanda Jung, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Nelson Lum, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Barbara Sklar, how do you vote? Yes. And Commissioner Linda Pennington, how do you vote? Yes. Thank you. We have a unanimous vote.
Okay, thank you, commissioners. The next order of business is agenda item E and requires a vote by the commission. It's requesting authorization to enter into a new grant agreement with the Felton Institute for the provision of employment, navigation, and benefits support during the period of January 1st, 2023 through June 30th, 2024 in the amount of $378,251 plus a 10% contingency for a total amount not to exceed $416,076 and uh, staff Michael Zog will be presenting the item. Uh, good morning, commissioners. Uh, good morning, executive. Yeah, that's not my phone, is it? Good morning, Executive Director uh, uh, Dearman. <laughs> Welcome to Commissioner uh, Pennington. Uh, the item before you today is a new program pilot. So this is some new programming we are going to be launching. Um, we're excited about this. Um, this is design, a program designed to help um, reduce barriers to, to employment um, and ease concerns for people who are on means-tested benefits and to have them rejoin the workforce. Mm -hmm. And how did we come up with this idea? Well, we know that, we know that many people want to work. Uh, we know that there are obvious financial benefits of working, but also sort of other uh, intangible benefits or, or perhaps tangible in that meaningful connection to the community, giving back to the community, sharing of skills um, that, that, that people have. Um, we know this, uh, there are many studies about um, employment um, and its value. We also know from some of our other employment programs that um, participants in those programs derive uh, this, this meaning and connection from participation that way. Uh, we know that uh, benefit programs such as uh, supplemental security um, income and Medi-Cal uh, have very complicated rules uh, to navigate through. Um, we know this because when we look at our legal service providers, you know, over a third of the legal issues they encounter are helping people untangle um, uh, benefit issues to keep benefits in place or, or increased uh, to, to support them. Um, we also participate, uh, DOS participates in the Work Matters uh, group, which is um, a collaborative of a couple of uh, community-based organizations uh, led by a community living campaign, um, but with also participation from Positive Resource Center, Felton Institute, uh, Self-Help, uh, DOS staff are part of that, as well as human service agency staff. Um, you know, this, uh, this, uh, this concept kind of, uh, you know, was kind of born in that group, recognizing the chilling effect that these uh, the benefit rules were having and in, in having people step back and stay away from even attempting to, to, to start employment. Uh, many of these uh, programs like SSI have actual things that say, please go out and work. They have their, I don't know if people have seen the ticket to work flyer that they, they put around, um, but it's often very daunting to navigate how to do that. So the idea here with this program is to kind of create a flow of services designed to educate um, people about um, the ability to have income um, and work while on means-tested benefits, um, to provide them with one-to-one uh, -one counseling um, about their particular situation and kind of provide some support around re reporting requirements and things, and then also to have a warm handoff um, over to legal services should things get complicated uh, along that way. Um, 
As this is a new program, uh, we do have a robust uh, awareness and outreach component. Um, in, in addition to promotional materials that will be disseminated through the normal channels, um, our, our uh, Felton Institute will also participate in a series of, of off-site events um, throughout the community to try to raise awareness about this program uh, and encourage uh, participation. So with that, I'm happy to answer any questions you guys might have. Any questions from commissioners? On this yeah I, I thought it was very innovative and interesting to read about this because it so these would be people who who probably come into a employment program but have a question about how much they can work because they're a part of that and and I guess that was an entry point I hadn't thought would happen that often for a program like but we're saying that does occur, where people are attempting to try to get into an employment program, but they already know they have a, um, an issue with that. So, so the, I guess in my mind, it was the question was, why isn't that question answered somewhere else in there? And I'm not questioning it. I'm already I, in already uh, existing in the in, system. In the SSI, by SSI, by by the various programs that are. Uh, making it complicated for them to work. Yeah, and that's not existing at the level of robustness, perhaps that that it's deterring this sort of chilling effect that our that our CBOs are seeing. And and do and because it seemed like it did it come about because there someone was saying there's a real need for this, or because there are people coming in that want to work. So we know there's a need, in other words. We, we know that thing the, was created by a need. We know that we have these employment programs going out there and saying, why don't you come back and work? And people right. are saying, whoa, 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 I'm, I'm on SSI, I'm on Medi-Cal, I'm good, I don't want to mess around with this. And that isn't the case. They could work. There is this. There is this path. Yeah. They can have it all. Yeah. Um, so to speak. Um, but it's 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 something that needs a little bit more support along the way. Yeah. I just found it interesting that that was the entry point where we would. So it's have this program. Yeah. Yeah. Complicated. This whole. So this is to yeah. actually improve the complications for those who want to, or make it better known for those who want to go back to work when they are receiving benefits elsewhere. Is that? Yeah, this is okay. going to provide a little bit more personal support to, okay. to ease concerns, educate, um, and, and support along that path. Yeah, I know. You think I might try to work, and it ended up being on you. It's complicated. And the person who was supposed to help me didn't really help me, so I'm really glad that you're doing this. Okay. Well, thank you, Commissioner Bittner. Um, I assume that is the case. I just thought we'd flesh that out a little bit at this because it's an interesting and innovative program to, to do that. Any other commissioners? Yes. Just a comment, you know, being retired and lazy. Is this program asking <laughs> me to go back to work? Um, we have we actually have other uh, opportunities um, that are more about that sort of recruiting. You know, this is really going to be focused on folks that are in, already ready to go back, but concerned about this issue. Um, yeah. 
There's many programs for that, Commissioner. Mm. All right, <laughs> I won't. I won't belabor this. Um, any other comments or questions from commissioners? I don't think so. All right. Um, anyone from the public who wishes to comment on agenda item E? Are there any members of the public that would like to comment on item E? Moderator, please open the phone line for public comment on agenda item E. We'll allow some time for callers to submit their request. Moderator, do we have any callers in the queue? And there are no callers. Thank you. All right, then hearing no further requests to speak on the item, we'll close public comment. Is there a motion to approve item B? I move to approve. All right, from Commissioner Bittner and a second. Second. Uh, second. Commissioner Lum, um, can we have a roll call vote, please? President Martha Knutson, how do you vote? Yes. Vice President Janet Spears, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Sasha Bittner, how do you vote? Yes, yes. Commissioner, thank you. Commissioner Wanda Jung, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Nelson Lum, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Barbara Sklar, how do you vote? Commissioner Sklar, she might be muted. Lost her. Not even there. Is Commissioner Sklar unmuted? Okay, I think she might have it on. She needs. Commissioner Sklar, if you can hear me, can you unmute yourself after? I'm voting yes. Got it. Thank you. And Commissioner Linda Pennington, how do you vote? And it's a yes from me. Thank you. It's a unanimous vote. All right. Thank you. Um, commissioners, the next order of business is agenda item F and requires a vote by the commission. It's requesting authorization to modify the existing grant agreements with multiple providers for the provision of case management through the period of January 1st, 2023 through June 30th, 2023 in the additional amount of $486,879 plus a 10% contingency for a total amount not to exceed $7,261,883. And Erica Mubaum is returning to present this item. Welcome back. Good morning again, commissioners and yeah, executive director, <laughs> Dearman. <clears throat> Excuse me. The case management budget modifications for your consideration today are a combination of a few allocation and sources that I walk through. All agencies received a one-time only funding through the end of their contract term, which is June 2023. The intent of the one-time funding was for wages for the case management program. The source of the one-time funding is a combination of dignity fund savings from fiscal year 1920 through this fiscal year 2223. You may have noticed that agencies received varying allocations of one-time only funding. Across the board, all agencies received a base amount determined by the number of case managers. In addition, there's a pretty big discrepancy um, in case manager wages across agencies. For this reason, the lowest compensated half received an additional allocation of the one-time only funding. Second, all agencies also received a cost of doing business allocation. And third, Curry and Open House each received $33,333 in add back funds from the Board of Supervisors budget process. This funding was specified for LBGTQ plus serving case managers. There were no changes to the Appendix A or deliverables. Um, you have each of their budgets, but I'm happy to answer any questions you may have. Okay, thank you. Are there any questions or comments from the commission from commissioners on this item? 
Hearing none, uh, do we have anyone from the public who wishes to comment on agenda item F? Are there any members of the public that would like to comment on a item F? Moderator, please open the phone line for public comment on agenda item F. We will allow some time for callers to submit their request. Moderator, do we have any callers in the queue? There are no callers. Thank you. Great. Then hearing no further requests to speak on the item, we'll close public comment. Is there a motion to approve item F from commissioners? So moved. From Vice President Spears, and I saw a second from Commissioner Jung. Um, can we please take the roll call vote to approve item F? President Martha Knutson, how do you vote? Yes. Vice President Janet Spears, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Sasha Bittner, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Wanda Jung, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Nelson Lum, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Barbara Sklar, how do you vote? Yes. And Commissioner Linda Pennington, how do you vote? Yes. Thank you. We have a unanimous vote. Great. Thank you, commissioners. The next order of business is agenda item G and requires a vote by the commission requesting authorization to enter into a new grant agreement with Open Door Legal for the provision of Westside Legal Services during the period of January 1st, 2023 through June 30th, 2024 in the amount of $571,972 plus a 10% contingency for a total amount not to exceed $629,169. And uh, Michael Zog will be presenting this item. Hello again, uh, everyone. Um, this item today is, uh, in a nutshell, opening a legal services office located on the west side of the city um, with a focus on serving that side of the city as well as um, outreach to engage with the API uh, population in the city. Um, how do we get here? Um, we've known historically that um, uh, 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 enrollment in our services tends to be lower um, in different areas of the city, one of them being the west side of the city. We typically ascribe this to the fact that there is just less dedicated spaces um, for uh, services for older adults and adults with disabilities um, on the west side of the city. It has been a challenge for us over the years to try to sort of unlock that puzzle and figure that out. We've had a couple different creative, uh, innovative things we've done over the years. Our, our CHAMPS program, which is like a restaurant-based meals program, first launched uh, over, over on that side of the city. Um, one of our early uh, community connector programs started uh, on the west um, and southwest sides of the city. A community connector program is kind of like a, a, a neighborhood-based community services program that doesn't have a dedicated community center tied to it. Um, this one is a little less innovative, but uh, is another attempt to try to build our footprint and services out in that area. That is an actual dedicated office space for legal services. Uh, we also know in looking at our um, in looking at our internal performance data, we have seen a decline uh -huh. in engagement across our legal services programs with clients who identify as Asian or Pacific Islander. Um, so as part of this effort, um, uh, we also have a meaningful uh, outreach into that community as well as uh, built-in language capacity at this site uh, for Chinese language uh, uh, support. Um, 
I think the last thing I would add on this is that this is a pilot program we're launching. Um, and this is something we're going to be doing utilizing um, federal and state funding we've received that you may have remembered from past uh, commissions. This is going to be a mix of federal uh, American Recovery Plan Act funds, ARP funds, as well as some California Department of Aging, Older Adults, uh, Recovery and Resilience OR uh, funding. So this is, I think, just 100% Fed and state funded. Um, thank you for that. Um, any questions or comments from commissioners on this item? Uh, Commissioner Jung, and then we'll do Commissioner Lund. Jung for, yeah. Mr. Sarr, I just want to uh, comment that uh, I'm very pleased to see um, that this efforts made to uh, meet this gap in needs in terms of legal services. And also, the other thing I'm very pleased to see in this contract is um, the detail of work that's planned for outreach. I think uh, both areas, I'm just really pleased to see. Um, I just have one minor question. I know this reference to, and you talked about um, um, bilingual staff. Can you explain a little bit more or give a little bit more detail as to what languages uh, will be, uh, what, like, what type of language service will be offered at, at this site? Of course. Um, I think at this time we have identified a, a specifically on the budget a, a position which will have um, Cantonese language capacity. So that is a target um, um, to actually have on site. Um, as far as other language capacity, we always um, have uh, our providers all have access to language line support. Um, uh, for use in translation services, as well as um, I'm not familiar with, there may be other language capacity within this organization, um, but I'm not, I can't speak to what will be dedicated to this site at this point. Okay, thank you. Okay, um, Commissioner Lund. The, uh, the West Side, and, and I agree totally that uh, you know it, it has been somewhat lacking in, uh, with, as far as, as, far as uh, services being provided. Uh, when you say West Side, are you talking about the Richmond or are you talking about the, the Sunset? Yeah, and I think we I think we said District One, Four, and Seven. That's how we defined it here. Um, yeah, One, Four, and Seven. Noting that these are not um, hard boundaries. Um, just saying that the purpose here is to really think about districts one, four, and seven, but that um, this, this is not closed to people from outside of those districts. And the, look, look, there'll be an actual location for the office, right? For yeah, it's at uh, 19th and Irving. 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 Yeah. yeah. It's kind of sunset, but it's also very accessible. Yeah, we're, we're looking at that too. Yeah, the different muni routes and things. Right, right, yeah. Um, any other questions from commissioners? I'm sorry. Okay, any other, uh, can we have comments from the public? Are there any members of the public that would like to comment on item G? Moderator, please open the phone line for public comment on agenda item G. We'll allow some time for callers to submit their queue. Moderator, do we have any callers in the queue? There are no callers, thank you. Then hearing no further requests to speak on the item, we'll close public comment. Is there a motion to approve item G? Um, 
I'll recognize Commissioner Bittner as moving and uh, Commissioner Jung as seconding. Um, can we have a roll call vote to approve item G? President Martha Knutson, how do you vote? Yes. President Jan uh, Vice President Janet Spears, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Sasha Bittner, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Wanda Jung, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Nelson Lum, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Barbara Sklar, how do you vote? Yes. And Commissioner Linda Pennington, how do you vote? Yes. Thank you. We have a unanimous vote. Great. Thank you, Commissioners. The next order of business is Agenda Item H and requires a vote by the Commission requesting authorization to modify the existing grants with Shanti Project for the provision of animal bonding services for the period February 1st, 2023 to June 30th, 2023 in the additional amount of $337,846 plus a 10% contingency for a revised total amount not to exceed $2 $288,161 and uh, staff member Doug Dong Lu will be presenting this item and welcome. I think Good morning, Commissioners, Executive Director Damon. My name is Dong Liu, Analyst with Office of Community Partnerships. The item before you today is a budget modification for Shanti Project for the provision of animal bonding for the isolated LGBTQ plus and medically vulnerable older adults and adults with disabilities. The purpose of this modification is to support salaries, pet food and supplies, and veterinary care. Under this grant, Shanti Project utilizes a service delivery model based on care navigation and peer support volunteers for delivery of animal companion support services and resources. Care navigators serve as the main points of contact for clients and provide services which include intake follow-up, ongoing assessment and care coordination, and information and referral. Care navigators also help with the development and utilization of peer support volunteers. Peer support volunteers provide outreach and supportive services for isolated, underserved clients who need pet support services. Both staff and volunteers work to connect clients and their pets to the pet food bank pet health and maintenance services, help with walks and exercise for pets, and other assistance as needed. With this additional funding for this fiscal year, the grantee will provide services to at least 46 more consumers, provide at least 559 additional hours of care navigation, recruit at least nine additional peer support volunteers, um, provide at least 786 additional hours of peer support, uh, peer volunteer support. The uh, individual surf is noted on the service unit documentation. Uh, monitoring for fiscal year 21-22 was conducted in July 2022, and the grantee met and exceeded all their contract deliverables. All programs were in compliance with findings resolved. Thank you for your consideration, and I will do my best to answer any question the commission may have. Okay, thank you. Are there any questions or comments from commissioners? All right, hearing none or seeing none. No, I don't. Um, then do we have any, uh, anyone from the public who wishes to comment on agenda item H? Are there any members of the public that would like to comment on item H? Moderator, please open the phone line for public comment on agenda item H. We'll allow some time for callers to submit their request.
moderator, do we have any callers in the queue? Uh, there are no callers. Thank you very much. Then hearing no further requests to speak on the item, we'll close public comment. Is there a motion to approve item H? So moved. From Vice President Spears, a second from Commissioner Lum. Uh, Mr. Secretary, can you please take a roll call vote to approve item H? President Martha Knutson, how do you vote? Yes. Vice President Janet Spears, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Sasha Bittner, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Wanda Jung, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Nelson Lum, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Barbara Sklar, how do you vote? Yes. And Commissioner Linda Pennington, how do you vote? Yes. Thank you. We have a unanimous vote. Great. Thank you. Thank you. Um, the next Commissioner, the next order of business is item I and requires a vote by the commission. It's requesting authorization to modify the existing two contracts with the California Extradition uh, Services, LLC, uh, known as CAE, and JAHM Non-Emergency Medical Transport, known as JAHM, for the provision of transportation services to benefit clients served through the Office of Public Conservator and the Adult Protective Services Programs for the period of July 1st, 2023 through June 30th, 2026, in the additional amount of $690,000 plus a 10% contingency for a total amount not to exceed $1,069,000. $932, and uh, Carrie Wong will be presenting this item. Welcome. Good morning. Um, good morning, Commissioners. Executive Director Dearman. Pleased to present um, these two transportation contracts for your approval. Um, these two contracts will support both the public conservator and adult protective services. Uh, the public conservator provides conservatorship services for adults who are gravely disabled due to mental illness and or chronic alcoholism. Adult protective services ensures the safety of older adults and adults with disabilities by investigating reports of suspected abuse or neglect. Um, both uh, the California Extradition Services and JHM Medical Transport provides transportation services for high-risk older adults and adults with disabilities needing secure transportation services, such as transferring between different levels of care, attending legal proceedings, and or medical appointments. Um, these two companies have a different focus and specialization. JHM um, specializes with non-acute medical transports for non-emergency situations, including wheelchair and gurney transports. JHM can also provide an attendant upon request to ensure the client's safety while en route to their destination. The public conservator uses on average seven times a month on annual average. Um, the California Extradition Services specializes on transports that require specialized skills to manage situations with high-risk older adults and adults with disabilities who have a history of aggressive and assaultive behaviors, elopement, um, and other risk behaviors and uh, clients that are also receiving forensic services. Um, we use this service approximately six times a month on an annual average. Um, I can answer any questions you might have. Okay, great. Are there any questions from commissioners on this item? Uh, Commissioner Jung. Yes, Ms. Wong, I'm just um, not questioning the need for this service. My question more has to do with the process. Um, I, I noticed this is for a modification, and usually for contract modifications, um, we're presenting information about increasing funding within a contract period. But I noticed for this, partic for this particular contract modification is to extend uh, three years on the current contract. One, how is the decision made whether to uh, to uh, 
uh, uh, submit a new RFP for services when contract ends, ask computer to uh, doing a modification to extend the contract period. Great question. I will defer this question to Steve. Good morning, Commissioners, Executive Director. Steve Kim, uh, HSA Contract Manager. Actually, this was uh, originally uh, solicited with uh, initial period with the option for extension. So therefore, we are actually extending the contracts based on the original RFP. Okay, thank you. Any other questions from commissioners? Okay, hearing and seeing no signals from my WebEx. Uh, uh, do we have any uh, public, anyone from the public who wishes to comment on agenda item, item I? Are there any members of the public that would like to comment on item I? Moderator, please open the phone line for public comment on agenda item I. We will allow some time for callers to submit their request. Moderator, do we have any callers in the queue? Uh, there are no callers. Thank you very much. Thank you. We'll close public comment. Is there a motion to approve item I from commissioners? Commissioners? So moved. Commissioner Lum has moved, and we had a second from me. Uh, Commissioner <laughs> Jung, thank you. <laughs> um, can we please take a roll call vote to approve item I? President Martha Knudsen, how do you vote? Yes. Vice President Janet Spears, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Sasha Bittner, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Wanda Zhang, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Nelson Lum, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Barbara Sklar, how do you vote? Yes. And Commissioner Linda Pennington, how do you vote? Yes. Thank you. We have a unanimous vote. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Uh, commissioners, the next order of business is agenda item J and requires a vote by the commission requesting approval of a sole source waiver and authorization to enter into a new sole source contract with Panoramic Software, known as Panasoft, for the provision of software licensing and maintenance services to proprietary databases utilized to support conservatorship of vulnerable adults for the period of July 1st, 2023 through June 30th, 2028 in the amount of $1,343,200 plus a 10% contingency for a total amount not to exceed $1,477,520. And uh, Carrie Wong will continue to present this item. <laughs> Great, thank you. Um, so Panoramic has worked with the city as early as 1982, quite a history, and most recently with our contract in 2014 um, in our current contract to, for the provision of technology services to the public administrator, public guardian, public conservator, and representative payee. These four programs act in accordance to its fiduciary authority under the federal, state, and local laws to protect vulnerable individuals with issues pertaining to their person and estate. Um, we act as either estate administrator, conservator, or representative payee in any of these programs. Um, Panoramic Technology stores client information, and its services include a caseload database, client account tracking, bank account information collection and evaluation, as well as regular and ad hoc reports throughout the year. They provide 24-7 access to our client information, which also supports our after-hours program for both the public guardian and public conservator. If you have any questions for me, I'd be happy to answer them. Okay. Any questions from commissioners on this item? I don't see any. Do we have any um, one from the public who would like to make um, 
comments. Are there any members of the public that would like to comment on item J? Moderator, please open the phone line for public comments on agenda item J. We'll allow some time for callers to submit their request. Moderator, are there any callers in the queue? Uh, there are no callers in the queue. Thank you. All right. Then hearing no further requests to speak on the item, we'll close public comment. Um, is there a motion to approve item J? So moved. Uh, Vice President Spears, a second? I second. Jung, um, could we have a roll call vote, please? President Martha Knutson, how do you vote? Yes. Vice President Janet Spears, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Sasha Bittner, how do you vote? Yeah. Commissioner Wanda Jung, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Nelson Lum, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Barbara Sklar, how do you vote? Yes. And Commissioner Linda Pennington, how do you vote? Yes. Thank you. We have a unanimous vote. Great. Thank, thank you. Commissioners, and thank you. Um, the next order of business is agenda item K and requires a vote by the commission. It's requesting authorization to enter into a new grant with self-help for the elderly for the provision of residential video doorbell program during the period of February 1st, 2023 through June 30th, 2027 in the amount of $175,000 plus a 10% contingency for a total grant amount not to exceed $192,500. And staff member Melissa McGee will be presenting this item. Welcome. Thank you. Good morning, President Knudsen, Commissioners, and Executive Director Dearman. My name is Melissa McGee. I'm with the Office of Community Partnerships at DOS. Um, I'm here today seeking your approval to enter into a grant agreement with Self-Help for the Elderly for a residential video doorbell program. Uh, this program builds on a successful pilot that had been um, uh, conducted with the Ring Company in District 4. Um, the purpose of this program is to provide for the planning, purchase, and installation of video doorbells to older adults and adults with disabilities. The intention of the program is to uh, provide a higher level of security and feeling of safety to the individuals. Um, Self-help for the elderly will identify eligible older adults and adults through, uh, with disabilities through various outreach methods, including WeChat, social media, flyers, and um, work with various community partners. Um, the agency will recruit and train the doorbell installers from their appliance training program, so an additional benefit of providing some work for graduates of the program. The installers will also train the recipients of the doorbells on the use um, of the doorbell, how to connect it with their phone app or iPad, et cetera. Um, this is a new program um, beginning this fiscal year. Uh, during the remainder of this fiscal year, the focus will be on District 4, and then starting with fiscal year 23-24, it'll be open to participants citywide. Um, the initial uh, funding for the program was an ad back through former Supervisor Marr, focused on District 4 and then extending to the city. Um, so I request your approval to enter into this contract and happy to answer any questions. Okay, thank you. Are there any uh, comments or questions from commissioners on this item? Yeah, I just have one quick. Mm -hmm. uh, how will the ongoing uh, internet requirement be so, uh, paid for? Sorry. Part of the um, ap uh, application process, the person has to have an uh, iPhone or a uh, smartphone or iPad. 
or another device, they also have to have bro broadband wireless in there. They already have to have that, and that'll be assessed upon application. And that'll be paid for um, out of out of pocket for them, the or as part of this park. The individual will pay okay. the ongoing their own Wi-Fi and ongoing contract with. Okay. Grant. Thank you. Thank you for that. Um, any other questions? All right. Then do we have anyone from the public who wishes to comment on agenda item K? Are there any members of the public that would like to comment on item K? Moderator, please open the phone line for public comment on agenda item K. We'll allow some time for callers to submit their request. Moderator, are there any callers in the queue? There are no callers. Thank you very much. Okay. Thank you. Hearing no further requests to speak on the item, we'll close public comment. Is there a motion to approve item K? So moved. From uh, Vice President Spears. Second. A, a second from uh, Commissioner Sklar. Um, Mr. Secretary, can you please take a roll call vote to approve item K? President Martha Knudsen, how do you vote? Yes. Vice President Janet Spears, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Sasha Bittner, how do you vote? Yeah. Commissioner Wanda Jung, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Nelson Lum, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Barbara Sklar, how do you vote? Yes. And Commissioner Linda Pennington, how do you vote? Yes. Thank you. We have a unanimous vote. All right. Thank you, Commissioners. The next order of business is agenda item L and requires a vote by the Commission. It's requesting authorization to modify the existing grant agreements with multiple providers for the provision of SF Connected for the period of February 1st, 2023 through June 30th, 2023 in the additional amount of $634,273 plus a 10% contingency for a total amount not to exceed $3,560,406 and Sarah Chan is back to present this item. Thank you. Good afternoon, commissioners. Executive <laughs> Director. Almost you. made it, but <laughs> <laughs> again, by noon. my name is Sarah Chan, Program Analyst with Office of Community Partnership. This item before you are requesting for your uh, approval to modify existing grants with multiple self SF connected program providers. The funding in this modification is from two sources. And first part is from the Board of Supervisors at-back process. And the other part of the funding is federal funding through California Department of Aging Access to, Com Access to Technology Grant. A couple months ago, you probably remember that we have brought to you uh, the Access to Technology Grant for your approval. Access to Technology Grant is a CDA new pilot program to connect older adults and adults with disability to technology and to help reduce isolation, increase connections, and uh, enhance their self-confidence. And I will first provide a very brief uh, background of our SF Connected program. Then we'll talk about the current trend and demands of the services. Then we will talk about the services this allocation will fund. The SF Connected program was established in 2011 and through a broadband technologies and opportunity program grant from the National Telecommunication and Information Administration. And this grant enables the, um, San Francisco to create 50 computer labs across San Francisco for older adults and adults with disabilities. And these labs are at community centers, affordable housing sites, um, and adult day programs, and Alzheimer's Day Care Resource Centers. And this initial dollars also um, granted um, digital literacy training through computer, uh, 
through community-based organization. The city then supported the continu continuation of the program through general fund. And uh, during the pandemic, and we continue have to have the city support for this program. And since the pandemic, all of our SF Connected grantees have been working above and beyond to offer resources and education to their client so older adults and adults with disability can stay connected and receive essential services that will help the client maintain their well-being. Just to provide a little high-level uh, snapshot uh, how this program grows. And in, 20, in fiscal year 2021, the program served approximately 1,300 consumers. And in fiscal year 21-22, the program served over 2,100 consumers. And in fiscal year 2021, the program provided uh, uh, close to 12,000 hours of digital literacy training and 866 technical support hours to consumers. And in fiscal year 21-22, the program provided close to 16,000 training hours and 2,300 tech support hours. And the demand of the digital literacy training and tech support continue to remain very high. And we have also seen an increased demand for more in, uh, for person-centered one-on-one tech training and uh, especially a relevance to how to improve the client's quality of life. And, um, and we also see a demand for technical support services for consumers where they can get technical support for their own devices. And uh, we also see there is a um, need in the community that we're working together and strengthening the partnership and, um, and collaborate with our community partners to support the community's effort together so we can ending the digital divide. And with the EPA funding and the federal fund of the Access to Technology Grant, DAS collaborates with our SF Connected program partners and to address these above mentioned demands and needs. And in the following, I'm going to talk um, each grantees uh, in this modification and what services this, this allocation will fund. The ARC San Francisco SF Connected Tech Training Program serves approximately about 60 adults with intellectual and developmental disability. ARC's SF Connected Program supports these clients in building and improving digital skills through in-person and virtual education opportunities. And the program will use the additional fund to enhance curriculums and improve classroom equipment. And the grantee will increase the service objective with additional 150 digital literacy training hours and 25 tech support hours. Community Living Campaign's SF Connected Tech Training Program currently serve about 550 clients and um, services are provided in both in-person and virtually. And from July 2022 to December 2022, and the program has served way beyond and above and beyond their service scope. While the demand of the digital literacy training and tech support 
has been uh, remained very high in the community they serve. And this additional fund will support the program expansion to meet the, this demand. The program will use the majority of the fund, approximately 88% of the fund, to support the increasing of the staff hours for direct training and tech support services. The grantee will increase the service objective with additional 60 consumers, uh, 2,834 digital literacy training hours, and 2,410 tech support hours. Self-help for the elderly's SF-connected tech training program currently serves over 600 older adults and adults with disabilities. Services are provided both in person, virtually, with some classes held in hybrid models. And the grantee plans to use the additional fund to hold more in-person classes at the community center as we see that there's more centers are reopening. And uh, they also want to expand the program to provide more one-on-one -on -one training support with a person-centered approach to meet the individual needs, such as online grocery shopping, translation tours, um, how to use the maps and how to access uh, the online resource for public transportation. Uh, so those are really helping the client to connect to the essential services and uh, help improving their quality of life. Majority of the funding, I would say approximately about 77%, are to support and the increase of the staff hours for direct services. The grantee will increase the service objective by additional 42 consumers with 130 tax support hours. Community Living Campaign's tax support program. The grantee's subcontractor, Urban Equity Group, will use the additional funding to provide project-specific tax support in two areas. And first area is um, the subcontractor will upgrade and refresh approximately 200 computer and laptops at our SF-connected labs. And the second major project the, UA, uh, the Urban Equity Group will plan to do is they will use the fund to develop a pilot project that uh, will provide technical support, support specifically for consumer devices. And uh, UEG will work with the community partners, DAS, and other stakeholders uh, in the community so we can develop and managing the program. So this is a pilot project. We don't know how it will look like, but we're thinking that the, the needs is there. We can work together on that. And lastly, I'm going to talk about the Community Living Campaign's Tech Council program. And the grantee will collaborate with community-based organization to offer eight digital inclusion events. And the grantee will also use the fund to support 10 DAS OCP-approved community-based organization to implement and administer digital inclusion project. And as we know that collaboration is the mo most important and the most uh, cost-effective way. So we are hoping that we can using this uh, great opportunity to expand our partnership and, and and uh, bring the great resource to the community. And during the fiscal year 21-22 program review, uh, all above mentioned grantees have met all programmatic standards and expectations. And thank you for your time. I'm happy to answer any questions you may have. Thank you, but thank you for the level of detail of this report. Um, this is just so important. As, as things increasingly go online, 
um, so many of our seniors are left behind um, and just with no resource to, to get services and, um, and are told the only way they can get something is online. So I just think it, I really appreciate the level of detail that you gave us to know that there, there are many, many er places where they can go and, and we're gonna be improving that uh, service to people and how many people are using it, which I, I'm not, not questioning at all. <laughs> so, and I, I applaud anyone who's giving online, online <laughs> assistance um, to anybody around computers, because I think that is the most <laughs> difficult thing to do, as we've learned, even getting people into this meeting today. Um, it's just really complicated and hard to do that, but so critical. So I just uh, appreciate your explaining that. Any other questions from commissioners on this item? Yes, um, thank you, and I mm -hmm. double down on what you just said because it is more than a notion uh, to provide technical support. I do have a question, and this is trying to connect some data from previously. I believe we had about a million dollars that we received from the state um, as the ad back, and this is spending about 600,000 of it. Are we, or are we going to spend the other 400,000 or is yes. it already spent in some other way? You have a really good memory. Yes, Thank you. and we, we have about like a- It's a number and it's yeah. money, so you know. <laughs> Excellent. And we have about 1.1 from the access to technology grant. Mm -hmm. And in that uh, application proposal, we are kind of proposed, we are, we are we pro in our application, we propose to use about half of the funding to purchase equipment. So we are going to refresh all the SF Connected labs and with brand new computers, update the equipment, laptops, and uh, so, so that's about half of the funding. And the other half of the funding, that's where you see right here. Okay. So in this funding, because it's a mixture with local funds, uh, the APAC funds, and the state access to technology grant. So you see about like a half million in the access to technology grant mixed with uh, like mm -hmm. 130, 140 um, APAC. Okay, so have we already seen the update? Because my memory is not that great. Um, for the upgrade for all the computers? We are, we just implementing a pilot Got it. system at okay. four sites. So they are collecting the user uh, experience on those sites. And once we confirm that it's the system we want to move fo forward and we will do the procure procurement process. Okay, thank you thank so much. You're very welcome. Any other comments from commissioners on this item? Or questions? All right, do we have any public comment? Are there any members of the public that would like to comment on item L? Moderator, please open the phone line for public comments on agenda item L, who allow some time for callers to submit their request. Moderator, are there any callers in the queue? Uh, there are, is that, is that a one for the, zero for this item, is that correct, moderator? Got it, thank you. There are no callers right now, thank you. Okay, great, thank you. We'll close public comment. Is there a motion to approve item L from commissioners? So moved. From Vice President Spears, a second from Commissioner Lum. Could we have a roll call vote? President Martha Knudsen, how do you vote? Yes. Vice President Janet Spears, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Sasha Bittner, how do you vote? Yeah. Commissioner Wanda Jung, how do you vote? Yes. Commissioner Nelson Lum, how do you vote? Yes. 
Commissioner Barbara Sklar, how do you vote? Yes. And Commissioner Linda Pennington, how do you vote? Yes. Thank you, we have a unanimous vote. Great, thank you so much. Um, this can, thank you. Um, uh, we're to announcements, right? Oh, yeah, we're gonna do public, oh, public comment. comment. One last public comment. Okay. Commissioners, item 17 is public comment, an opportunity for members of the public to address the commission. Are there any members of the public that would like to address the commission today? Moderator, please open the phone line for public comment. We'll allow some time for callers to submit their requests. Moderator, do we have any callers in the queue? Oh, no callers. Okay, thank you very much. Okay, thank you, commissioners. Um, we pretty much did it. I tried to break get this done by noon, but <laughs> but anyway, thank you so much for everyone honoring, uh, staying, as, uh, still answering questions as, as um, moving it along as much as we could. So I appreciate that because this was really two meetings in one. We're gonna keep making the commission work this month. So I wanted to acknowledge the fact that we have two more meetings and make sure that I think Robbie, our commission secretary has done a great job of telling us about it, making sure it's on our calendars. Um, but just to, to make sure you remember, there are a couple more obligations this month. And then um, don't forget that next month, and again, we've been fully informed of this, but our next meeting is fully on site. And unless a waiver has been approved, if, please work with our commission secretary. If you uh, think that you do qualify for this waiver, we want to make sure you get it. We support that very much and want to make sure that there's a full uh, inclusion of all commissioners and, and uh, others who who can uh, only um, come in through uh, off-site appearance. Um, so just just check and make sure that all happens before next next meeting. Otherwise, I will adjourn this meeting. Thank you very much. Thank you. All right. Can could you not adjourn? I had my hand up. I'm sorry. I thought oh, I'm... Commissioner Pennington, <laughs> go ahead. Yeah. I apologize because I thought that we were uh, going to do new business, but I thought I'd, since I was late coming, I just wanted to make a couple of comments and just say that I was very happy to learn that I, uh, the mayor had appointed me to this commission. I heard that this is the best commission. This is the fun commission. This is the caring commission and uh, a few other all positive things. So I just wanted to say it's been a pleasure. I'm, uh, I was sorry to miss the January meeting and I apologize not being there in person, but going forward, I will always be in person. And it's been a pleasure getting to know um, some of you uh, as I've come on board. So I look forward to seeing you uh, next month. Okay, well, th thank you very much. I'm glad you broke in and, and uh, we'll adjourn that meeting with that thought and I'll welcoming you in, in mind. <laughs> All right. Picture.